right, this segment's going to be a lot of fun because it involves a couple of my favorite people. Well, Kevin Barker's along there for the ride as well, so it wasn't as if. That, I include you as my favorite pe- people, Cito Gaston and uh, Dusty Baker. Cito Gaston, of course, former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, who, like Dusty Baker, frankly, should already be in the Hall of Fame. It's something we can talk about after, afterwards. Cito managing the Blue Jays to back-to-back World Series in 92-93. And as a matter of fact, yesterday was the 29th anniversary of the Blue Jays' first world championship against the Atlanta Braves. That was the one where the, I don't know if you remember, the Braves flew the flag upside down, the Canadian flag upside down. Anyhow, that at the time was a, was a, was a pretty big deal. Um... And if you've been paying attention to anything involving Dusty Baker during this postseason, you've probably heard him say a couple of times that Henry Aaron and Cito Gaston are among the people who have played the most significant role in his career, not just as a player or a manager, but as a person. Um, So we knew that. We wanted to talk to Cito about his friendship with Dusty Baker, how it started, and get his thoughts on Dusty Baker and, and where baseball managing is going these days. But we didn't know, or I should say what we didn't know, was that Cito also has a lot of ties to the Braves organizations. Now, of course, obviously Bobby Cox, uh, you know, Alex Anthopoulos was with the Blue Jays when Cito uh, was here as well. Uh, Ron Washington, Cito go back a long, long way. But it turns out that he's also got a pretty deep and pretty personal tie to Brian Snitker as well. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to give it away. We're instead going to play the interview we taped with Cito just before we came on the show. And the story about Brian Snitker is well worth waiting around for. Cito, how satisfying is it? for you to see Dusty in the World Series, and how satisfying would it be to see him win the World Series? Well, it'd be very, I'm very satisfied, with, happy for Dusty uh, being back in the World Series. I can remember the last time he was in there and, uh, against the Angels, and I was so close to calling him, congratulating him. Thank God I didn't call him ahead of time because they ended up losing that game and then losing the next day. And I'd be so proud of him to win again. I mean, Dusty and I have been friends ever since he was 18. I was 23. And we've been in contact with each other ever since. Uh, Although, you know, there's a lot of people with the Braves and my friends, too. Uh, Brian Snicker, who's the manager of the Braves, him and I started coaching together in Sarasota. We're roommates. And, you know, Washington's over there and Bobby Cox over there. And uh, George Poole is one of our trainers. So it's kind of, you know, I I can't lose. Uh, I'm going to be a winner one way or the other. One of them's going to be a winner one way or the other, too. But uh, pulling hard for... Uh, you know, I, I just have to stay in the middle of the road with that, both of them, but I'm, I'll be very proud of Dusty one too. Cito, uh, you mentioned that uh, you 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 and Dusty were teammates when he was 18, and and uh, and you were 23. That was in Austin, right? And and uh, what was what was your first impression of, of Dusty as a person and a player? Because you know he's a guy who grew up in California, and I I believe Dusty has said it was kind of his first experience playing playing in the South. Well, it was, and Dusty was a, a tall, lanky kid, uh, 18 years old, uh, like like he has said, and I believe this. I was I was raised in the South, so I've heard some of those things they said of you in the South, and uh, Dusty was a little uh, 
disturbed about that, and I don't blame him. But I just told him to follow me. You know, I, I got you. Uh, and I just, you know, I used to tell him all the time that my mom used to say, "Better you, they, there you go, than there you lie." So sometimes you have to take it and move on. And uh, I think Dusty learned to do that. And uh, look, look at him; he became a great manager. I mean, uh, even playing with Dusty in Atlanta, you could see that he was very much into the game and uh, a student of the game. And uh, it's proven to be uh, true. And uh, but you know, he, he he had a great career also as a as a as a baseball player. You may have just said this, but what, what do you think is Dusty's greatest quality as a manager? Communicating with his players, uh, treating his players like, uh, you know, like uh, he wanted to be treated, uh, respecting them, uh, although getting respect back, and communicate with them all the time. I mean, Dusty's uh, – I think Dusty and I learned that from Hank Aaron. You know, whatever happens today, uh, you enjoy it. And if it's bad, you learn from it. But the next day is, is a new day and you move on. You just can't live in the past. Uh, did Dusty strike you as a guy who was going to manage when you first met him or when you, you know, as you kind of followed his career, did you think to yourself, okay, this, this guy's going to be a manager someday? Well, you know, I wish I could say that. I think most people say that about me too. They weren't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure at that time either. I think a lot of people surprised that I managed, but I think a lot of people are surprised that Dusty managed, managed too. But, you know, I only played with Dusty one year in the big leagues, and that was in Atlanta, and then he got traded to uh, he got traded to Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, the the time I played with him, I know he really cared about the game and, and certainly was interested in, and, and about uh, how the game was managed as well. I mean, I learned from Preston Gomez. I'm pretty sure Dusty might learn from Lasorda. I'm not sure. Cito, did, did you give a, a World Series speech in the clubhouse before game one? The reason why I ask you that, did, did, has Dusty ever asked you, should he do that, and have you given him any advice about something like that? You know, no, I never gave one. I, I never gave one, and uh, he's never asked me. I think Dusty is certainly his own man, and, but he is not, uh, uh, you know, above not taking uh, advice from you. I mean, uh we t- we talk quite often, and uh, we talk we talk about baseball. Uh, we talk about other things in life, but uh, as far as giving, I, I think Dusty is, is the type of guy that uh, you know he's uh, he leads by example, and he's a good guy, and he's a good person. He cares about people, and uh, I think that's why he's been so successful. The players probably love him. Were you surprised when he came back to manage the Astros, given everything that had gone on with Houston? Well, I wasn't surprised. You know, Dusty, when he got his job, all the, except San Francisco, he called me. I was coming back from the from the Caribbean, and he called me uh, when he got the job in Cincinnati. He called me when he got the job in Washington, and uh, I knew he wanted he wanted to manage again because I know Dusty wanted another. Sh- he wanted a shot at, in, in that World Series again, you know. So I'm not surprised. Uh, he's he evidently he's the right guy for the job, and I think they made a great choice there. And you know, that team was going through hell, and uh, I'm pretty sure Dusty heard a lot of things they said about those players. And, you know, some places you play like Oakland, man, the fans can reach out and touch you right there. So that's hmm. not an easy place to manage. Yeah, we we all know about Dusty. Is is there anything you can tell us that we don't know about Brian Snicker? Brian Snicker. I introduced Brian to his wife. Oh. <laughs> awesome. And we're we're still friends, so it went, it went well. <laughs> <laughs> it went well. Uh, you know, but 
Brian's Brian's just think how long he's been in that organization, man. What what organization guy? And uh, he he's you know he he's like me. Uh, Hank Hank did a lot for all three of us. I mean, for Dusty, for myself, and Brian too. Brian would tell you that too. That uh, we learned from Hank and. Uh, and learn. Uh, Hank treated us great. Uh, he always said, "Work with me, not work for me." And I think Brian is just a great manager, uh, as well as Dusty. Uh, so this is going to be very interesting. I think they're the two oldest managers in baseball right now, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that beside Larusso, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget Larusso. Well, that, yeah. but that that leads me the, to my next question, though, Dusty. Is look, we, you know, everybody talks about baseball front offices now. They're full of guys from Harvard and Yale. They're all in their mid-30s, late-30s. And, boy, it sure seems as if a lot of, I'm going to call them veteran managers, are having a lot of success this year. Is that is, is there a reason behind that, do you think? Does it get to maybe maybe communicating? I think it's communicating, and uh, along with, uh, you know, sometimes you get a gut feeling uh, about people and, 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 and certain situations. And I'm pretty sure those two guys certainly think out the end is way ahead of time. And I know they have a lot of help there with analytics and things like that. But, you know, to me, I look back at it as just stats. It's stats, and, and they don't lie. I mean, when I first uh, joined the Blue Jays, I was not only hitting coach, I was the outfield coach, but I also kept shorts on where they hit the ball. And let me tell you, it, they don't lie too much. Pretty much, Guys pretty much hit the ball in the same spot all the time. Some guys pull the ball on the ground. Some guys, uh, the same guy pull the ball on the ground, hit the ball in the right field, hits the ball right center. So, uh, you know, I know that uh, uh, there's a lot of stats out there, but you can only play this game one way, you know, and that's, that's the, and, and defense and offense and pitching wins you ball games. You know, this may be a silly question, but uh, for a manager, what is the most satisfying thing, Cito, about winning a World Series? Like when, you know, when you got the title, you got the ring, and you're sitting at home or maybe getting ready to go out to the golf course, whatever. What's the most satisfying thing about managing a yeah. World Series winner? Well, you know, one thing, it's, it's, it's all the hard work. Uh, people have no idea what you go through during those years, uh, uh, during that year. Uh, I mean, you pretty much give up your family, your teammates, and your, your coaches, and your, and your uh, players become your family. And I think it's so hard to, to do that back-to-back years, even though we're fortunate enough to do it. But I don't know if you know, we changed like 14 players from mm-hmm. one year to the next. And so it's just a dedication and, and, and one to win. Uh, you're talking about two managers that really want to win and they're winners. And I think that's part of it right there that you have to really want to win. I, I hate losing, but you look back at it too and you say, man, that's, it's over with. Uh, what a year. And I really appreciate it. But what a job. I mean, it is, it is a tough job grinding every day uh, to try to win. And now they've made it even more difficult because you have more playoff games and you have a one-game playoff. It's, it's tough. Cito, what do you think the, the hardest thing will be for both of these managers in game one? I think the hardest thing is, is it, they're playing in Houston. And so that's – and the, the thing that's going to happen is that uh, uh, probably managing their pitchers. And I think Dusty's going to have a tough job with doing that because uh, from from watching the playoffs, I believe Dusty's pitchers, they stepped up in, in the, against Boston in the end. But – uh, Brian's, Brian's pitchers have been there the whole playoff, man. They've been great. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a little different, uh, you know, for Brian to uh, know when to take his pitchers out of the game. Uh, he has it already set up when he's going to do it. But, you know, people always tell me it's tougher to manage in the, in the American League. 
hey, uh, it's tougher to manage in the National League, but hey, the game dictates when you take a pitch out of the game in the National League. But when you have a DH, you have to know when he's got enough or you have it already planned. He's going to go this many ends, that many ends. And, you know, I think that's going to be the toughest part for both of them. For, for, for Brian and probably Dusty, too, he's going to have to maneuver his pitches in and out because he's got some guys that are hurt. So it's going to be tough. I think the pitching is going to be the hardest thing for both of them. You know, last last question uh, before I let you run, and we do, really do appreciate your time. We're, we're going to see two hitters that have been unbelievably hot in this series, Jordan Alvarez and, and Eddie Rosario. How important is it on a, on a World Series team that you have a guy who is hot, maybe not one of your core players, but somebody who always seems to step up and at the end of the series, you look at it and go, my God, that guy hit 400. Yeah, you know, it happens. Look at the first year that we were in the World Series. Pat Borders mm-hmm. <laughs> was the most valuable player. And it's the person that's hot, the, the guy that's hot at that particular time. And those two guys you're talking about, Alvarez, I'm pretty sure the Dodgers would like to have him back <laughs> if they could. But anyway, he's quite a hitter. And, and of course, uh, you know, it's it's if they stay hot, you know, you can miss a few days. You don't know when you're going to go in the slump sometime unless you're someone like Hank Aaron or, or certainly Babe Ruth or, or Willie Mays or, uh, you know, great players like Demise, you players like that. But uh, players that are, you know, uh, like those guys, they can go to the slump any time. And I, I think it's going to be tough on Alvarez. He's going to face a lot of left-handers. And, I mean, I've seen him do pretty well against him, but it's still going to be quite a job for him. Cito, really good of you to join us today. You know we always appreciate your time, and, uh, and we're, glad, we're glad you're doing well. And uh, hit him straight this afternoon. Yeah. Hit him straight and hit him far. Take care. Okay, thank you. Bye. That was our interview with Cito Gaston. Tape before the show, before Cito went out and does what Cito usually does in Florida. Golf. Wish I could do that. So there you go. Yeah, he introduced Brian Snitker's wife to Brian Snitker. How about that? It's remarkable how many guys, you know, you talk about this, but guys who are in the game a long time, how often they cross paths with each other. You always laugh the same thing with John, with John Gibbons yeah. being Billy Bean, having Billy Bean as a roommate and JP Ricciardi as a roommate. It, it's Sorry. really, is kind of a small world. Hey, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's just great hearing, hearing older gentlemen who've been around the game as long as these, these guys have been around Snickers, Dusty Baker. It's, it's just, it's pretty awesome to hear how, you know, guys that aren't in the game talk about, gentlemen that are still in the game, what it takes to, to stay in the game as long as they've been in it. And it, it just, it, it goes to exactly the way I talk about dusty. I, I can just, you know, that, that's why it's hard for me not to, to pick the Astros to win this thing because of how dusty treated me. He treated me like I was a superstar and, and I wasn't period end of story. Like I was, you know, I don't want to say I was nobody, but I was the 25th guy on the team. And when I was with him, he made me feel like I was the first guy on the team. And he didn't have to do that. He had he had no reason to call me in office and treat me the way he treated me. But I just think that's the way he treated everybody. I've I've often found and, and I find I find Dusty and Cito particularly interesting because Cito, when he was let go by the Blue Jays, Cito interviewed for a couple of jobs, the Chicago White Sox job being one of them. Didn't get it. And if you talk to Cito, he'll tell you, he thought that he got to the point where he thought the only reason he was being interviewed 
was because he was an African-American manager who had had some success and that teams were interviewing him simply because they wanted to be able to say the commissioner's office, you know, we interviewed, yep. we cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. See just I don't need that. No, absolutely not. I, I don't need that. I got my two world series rings here. Yep. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be anybody's, you know, I, 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 I just don't need it. Um, and Cito stepped away. Now he came back to manage the Blue Jays uh, when when um, John Gibbons was fired the first time in Pittsburgh. Dusty was different though because Dusty, well, Dusty managed first of all. Dusty kept getting chances to manage. Yeah, and I, I remember when the when the Astros signed Dusty. My first reaction was, "Wow, why does Dusty even well, not need me?" That? But then I was thinking, you know what? First of all, the team is good. But secondly, if you were the Houston Astros and you know that you have an, you have an image issue. Yeah. We got people think that you cheated your way to a World Series. You did. You did. <laughs> because you cheated your way yeah, to World there Series. There you go. Who better to come in and manage? Because it's not an entry-level job. Because you got a team that's already... They've won a World Series. Regardless of how they did it, they won a World Series. But in bringing Dusty in, you're bringing a guy that you you cannot hate. Whatever people may think about your team, there is going to be nobody who is going to put Dusty Baker on. First of all, Dusty wasn't there when it happened. There's going to be nobody who is going to not give Dusty Baker the last word. I mean, it was a genius move. It yeah. was a genius move by the Astros. And, and looking back on it now, Kevin, I asked myself, okay, who, who would you have hired other than that? And damn it, I, I couldn't come up with a name. No. I, I, the, li- the list somebody, is very short. Yeah, you know, Buck Showalter. I mean, people, Buck Showalter, there are a lot of people that aren't. Take it or leave it kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. But Dusty? There, there's not a person in the game. There is not a person in the game who doesn't like or at least really, really respect I was, Dusty. I was, with the, I was with a lot of players who knew Dusty and talk about Dusty. Bruce Pochi may, may be the maybe, one guy like that. I can't remember a a person, a player, who's talked bad about Dusty. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's a lot. Jeff Kent probably doesn't like Dusty just because <laughs> of what happened with the whole slapping in, in yeah. thing. And I... I, I'm just saying that I have no idea. Maybe he does. Maybe maybe he loves Dusty. I've I have not no idea. heard. But but I, it's just I, he's just a perfect guy. Now on the flip side of that, I'm I'm sure if you're Dusty sitting around home and you're thinking if I got a perfect opportunity to win a World Series, what better way to do it with a team who has one of the best lineups, if not the best lineup in all of baseball? Yeah, and sort of could take the guesswork out of what my issues have been in past playoffs. It just it was a perfect fit, I think, for both parties. Can we say that? I think so. And, and look, I think for, for Dusty, in a lot of ways, this World Series, if he could win it, it kind of ties it all up because Atlanta was his team, his first team. He and Cito were teammates in the minors. Uh, it is Hank Aaron's. It's, it's still the team of Hank Aaron. So there would be that. Um, it would be great, frankly, if he could win it in six games because if you know anything about Dusty Baker's career, game six has been his nemesis. Game yeah. six when he managed the San Francisco Giants against the Los Angeles Angels. I've covered both of these games. That was a World Series mm-hmm. where Russ Ortiz had pitched the Giants to a 5 not The Giants were going to win. Yeah, Russ Ortiz had a 5 nothing lead. It was brilliant. I 
think he pitched like six and a third innings, five hits. Dusty comes out to take the ball from him. Hmm. And, and, and I don't know. This is, you had to be there to see this, but Dusty took the ball from him, then called him back and gave him the ball as a souvenir on the mound. Hmm. And of course, everybody, what are you doing? Yeah. Game six also in 2003 was the Steve Bartman game. Dusty's managing the Cubs. Remember the fly ball down left field? Moyes Salou thinks he's going to get Steve Bartman, a fan, catches the ball. Uh, Everybody blames him. I mean, the fact of the matter is Alex Gonzalez made a horrible throwing. There there were a lot of reasons. There were a lot of reasons the Cubbies lost that game. I've talked to Mo many times about that play. Mo says he would have made the catch. He that's not what he told Publicly, me. he says he would have made I the catch. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that out loud or not. He had no chance of making that catch. <laughs> That's, I mean, if you, we, those of us who were at, <laughs> at no point that I think, I mean, he had a shot. I shouldn't say he didn't have a chance. He had a shot. But the point is the Steve Bartman thing happened. And I always remember because I covered that game. And the next day, of course, the, the, there was game seven and the, the, the Cubs pooched that in the Miami Marlins. Then the Florida Marlins went on to win the World Series. And everybody who was covering that game the next day, we were writing about Steve Bartman, Steve Bartman. Everybody tried to phone the, the place where the guy worked. Uh, I mean, the guy basically disappeared. I'll never forget. I'll never forget Dusty Baker's comments about Steve Bartman. The next day he was asked about, you know, Dusty, boy, the pressure's on you guys. The, the, the pressure's on. You got to, how, how are you going to handle it? He said, Pressure's not in us. Pressure's on that kid. That kid's life is ruined because of this. Mm-hmm. You know, we lose this game, we'll get another chance. We gotta, we gotta win for his sake. I, that was, and I'd known Dusty. I'd, I'd interviewed Dusty for a while by then, different times, and, and and all that. But man, at that point, I remember thinking, God, that really, that really tells you something about the man. And I'm sure Dusty. Dusty wasn't his first rodeo. Dusty kind of understands the way you play the media and, and sure. But to, to kind of have the where to, to say that, to not cry, woe is me and woe is us. And to point that out, to at least take a second, at least take a second out of your time to show that, yeah, you may wear a uniform, but inside yeah. the uniform, there's it, a human being. It, it was really remarkable. Here's the question. If Dusty loses this world series is, are these numbers good enough to get him in the Hall of Fame? Doesn't matter. 1,987 Doesn't wins matter. in the regular season. Doesn't matter. Is a shoe-in. Doesn't matter. Does here, Here's the thing. and people shoe-in, huh? People need to know this. Wow. The writers do not vote on the manager's Hall of Fame. There are different committees struck by the Hall of Fame. There's the Today's Game, which covers 1988 to present. There's modern baseball, 1970, 1987, golden days, 1950 to 69, early baseball prior to 1950. So there are, there are four era committees. There are, and, and sitting on those committees are former players, are current executives, former executives. Paul Beeston was on one of those committees. Uh, and, and, and there are on some of the committees, there are, there are a couple of writers, generally they're older veteran writers, but and it's a committee vote, but you never, they're never made public. So <laughs> essentially any manager, there's nothing stopping 
one of those committees from deciding this year that they want to consider Cito Gaston's eligibility for the Hall of Fame. Mm. Here's the thing. The, the fact that Cito Gaston can win, manager's managerial record, to me, that's got, that's got nothing to do with that. The fact that Cito Gaston has back-to-back World Series, the fact that he was the first African-American manager, that gets him into the Hall of Fame right away. It doesn't matter how many games he managed or how many teams. Same thing with Dusty. You, if you're in the game that long and you have some degree of success, you are a Hall of Famer. Dusty Baker's team could get rolled in four games here, and it doesn't matter. To me, Dusty Baker is a Hall of Famer, just as Cito Gaston is a Hall of Famer. But again, that's not, that's not a writer's vote. It's got nothing to do with the writers. As a matter of fact, I always tell people, I guarantee you, if you let the BBWAA writers group vote for a manager, mm. I guarantee you, you would have more managers in the Hall of Fame, and there would be less of an issue with guys who go in the Hall of Fame. Because these committee things, Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. Harold Baines is a great player. Harold Baines was a terrific DH. But I, you can have a real legitimate argument as to whether or not Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer. He didn't get in the writer's vote, but he was put in by the committee, which just happened to include Jerry Reinsdorf, who Chicago White Sox owner, and Tony La Russa, who was his manager. So that process is a lot less open. And I, I, I guarantee you, if you gave the writers a vote, I guarantee you, guarantee you Cito would have been in the Hall of Fame 10 years ago and I guarantee you Dusty would go but to me it's no it there's no ifs ands or buts they're both Hall of Fame managers uh doesn't matter what what happens in this series yeah we'll see I don't I, for me I think that's a that's a shutting the door on a really good career 24 seasons almost 2,000 wins you've won one pennant you win a World Series that's that's a slam dunk that you're a Hall of Famer wasn't for Cito I I understand that but Back to back. How many guys have won back to back? Yeah, it's I again. I and what Cito says with the second team that had fourteen different the the Jays organization was dynastic, but that was almost a different team that won that second World Series. Fourteen different players changed. Yeah, we'll see. It's yeah. an it's an interesting topic. Let's say it does, and it get and yeah. and this. I will tell you this. This. There are two things that get me really pissed off about the Hall of Fame. One was Marvin mm. Miller's exclusion. The other is the fact that Cito isn't already in there. The other is the fact that there are so many managers who aren't already in the Hall of Fame. Because you cannot just judge a manager on the basis of his record. Any more than... Anyhow. That bothers me more than any player or any, any vote. Whether somebody goes in as an as a you know, some, unanimous pick or this you know, or that some, or second, some that people doesn't say, bother me. Some people say that's the only way you judge a manager is how many wins he's got, how many titles he's got. How is he supposed to judge a manager? It's like the, the voters don't get an everyday look at what a manager does behind closed doors. The only way you know is his eh. record. You got almost 2,000 wins. You got one pennant. You have a World Kevin, Series. Kevin, Kevin. When I'm you, just saying. When, you are, when your Hall of Fame candidacy is decided by a committee, all those – Trust me, Tony La Russa knows what goes into being a good manager. Jerry Reinsdorf knows what goes into being a good manager. Right? You're talking about baseball. You're talking about former players mm. are part of this. They know what is involved with being a good manager. That's why the exclusion of Cito to the exclusion of Cito and the fact that anybody would even ask Dusty Baker or ask anybody if Dusty Baker's a Hall of Famer. 
really gets under my skin because basically it's a bunch of guys in a committee deciding whether or not a manager is a, is a Hall of Famer. How can you not? How can Dusty Baker not be a slam dunk Hall of Famer? How many people have that many jobs? Yeah, people are going to point out, well, you know, Dusty's had this issue with handling pitchers. Yeah, Dusty Baker's managed a bunch of real good teams, won a pennant. Ah. Anyhow, I, I just, that drives, that drives me around the bend. I think that's one, that is one thing. You look at people like Felipe Alou, you look at people yeah. like Dusty Baker, you look at people like Cito Gaston, you can't deny their impact on the game. You can't deny their impact on the game. And you shouldn't I, use wins I and losses. I think Dusty could make this real easy on everybody by putting a period at the end of that with a World Series ring as a manager. I think that's it's real easy. No, he shouldn't have to do that. Well, he shouldn't, but like I said, it's uh, it's a very political thing. It's a very political mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but anyhow, we're uh, oh, look. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's a, I guess it's an argument to have. I, I, it has, it it's is not the, an argument for me because no, I played for him and yeah, I know how he it's is. It's the one thing Cito about Gaston said it exactly right. He is one of the best communicators in the history of baseball. I really do believe that. It is the, the fact that the Hall of Fame relies on committees to give out some of its honors really bothers me. It's like the Hockey Hall of Fame which is basically a bunch of folks sitting around a room. No one ever knows who votes for who. It's like, a, it's like the Pope. It's like, poof, puff of white smoke comes out. Oh, there's the 2022 Hockey Hall of Fame class. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing with this. For whatever people may think of writers voting for the Hall of Fame, at least you know who the, at least you know who the asses are, <laughs> right? At least you, you have an idea who's, who's an ass. At least you know who you can blame for your favorite guy not getting in or your favorite guy not being a, a, a first ballot guy. At least there's some openness there. The, the committee process drives me nuts. Anyhow, I spent too much time talking about it. Dusty Baker and Cito Gaston, both are Hall of Famers. Uh, to my mind, anyhow. Chris Rose of John Boy Media joins us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. <laughs> I know you got me going intentionally with that Hall of Fame stuff. Yeah. It it took me a while to cool down from that. I mean, most of the time, Hall of Fame uh, arguments are about about players. It is what it is. The Hall of Fame voter is what it is. But, man, the the whole committee thing really annoys me. That just gets under my skin. Hadn't noticed. Yeah. Anyhow. I think Dusty Baker's in the Hall of Fame, regardless of whether or not they win the World Series. Make it real easy on everybody. Win the World Series. There's no doubt. And then who knows what Dusty does afterwards. Maybe Dusty gets another job. He'd look good uh, uh, being the manager of the Padres. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Kidding me. I mean, if Tony La Russa can manage at 220 years old, why can't Dusty manage at 80, whatever it is, 72? 72 he's 72 now why can't he manage a 75 what would you rather have what would you rather i'd rather have i'd rather have 103 year old dusty baker managing my team than 48 year old tony larusa managing my team how about that that's a that's an odd conversation 
that we'd have to have. Yeah, we can have it some other time. Let's bring in Chris Rose. He's host of the Chris Rose Rotation and John Boy Media. Chris, thanks for joining Barker and myself today. Uh, that was I. You're you're probably wondering the hell were those two guys just talking about? A hundred and five year old Dusty Baker and forty eight year old Tony Larusso. We we're just discussing managers in the Hall of Fame, which is a particular bugaboo of mine. So I apologize. What's the bugaboo? I just don't like the fact that uh, you know it's decided by committees, and I I just. I have this thing about about deciding by committees. You know, everybody hammers the baseball writers when they vote for the Hall of Fame, but at least their votes are public, and at least you know who the you know who the jackass is in the group that didn't vote for this player or that player. The committee thing just bothers me. Anyhow, it's just it's a it's a it's it's just a sore point. It's a sore point. I don't know. No, I think it's fair. And by the way, Dusty Baker is going to be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. If you look at yeah, I mean, listen, he took he's won division crowns with five different teams. He's taken two to the World Series. Um, you know, as long as he stays healthy and wants to continue doing this and teams will give him the opportunity, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, uh, he's going to get over 2,000 wins. And everybody that's got more than 2,000 wins is in the Hall of Fame except for Bruce Bochy, and he will be. Right. So it just, you know, I just, I don't know why people want to make guys wait. I mean, Dusty's 72. Like, I wouldn't even have a problem with managers being put in while they're still active. I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm with you. To be honest with you, it's not like it's a playing career where you're worried a guy will go back and add more to his stat. Like, Dusty Baker, even if he, let's say he was done after this year and finished with 1,987 wins, and let's say they don't win the World Series this year, I still see him as a Hall of Famer. So why don't you put him in? Why don't you let him enjoy that? Sounds too easy, though. Uh, let me. Uh, you're you're a, you're a huge baseball fan. I, I I hear I see you tweeting it all the time. You're a big uh, Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, I, I got to ask you, Cleveland uh, Guardians. Oh, fan. sorry about that. They they have changed that, so I apologize. Uh, yep. I, I have Don't to worry. I have to ask. Uh, how easy or hard is it to watch the games now? Do you like the way the games played with the rules, with the shift, with the pitching changes? What do you think about the game today? Well, I got to be honest with you. I don't think I've ever seen a more talented group of young players, meaning 25 and younger. I, I certainly can't remember a group. Um, I, w- I wish they would do away with the shift. I'm not a huge fan of guys ripping the ball up the middle and the shortstop standing right behind second, and it doesn't have to make any sort of amazing athletic play in order to retire somebody. Uh, I-, I would move the shift around. Um, I would say that two people have to start on either side of second base and if you want to put your second baseman as a rover in short right field that's fine you're just leaving other areas open um so i would i would certainly do that uh i I do like the game where we see more athleticism meaning you know when there's balls in the gap i love it because that means that the defense has to make a play that means base runners have to be good at cutting corners that means base coaches have to make good decisions on whether or not to send guys an extra 90 feet to me, that's the fun stuff. Um, that's where the energy comes from. You know, to me, there's no more exciting play than when the bases are loaded and it's 3-2 and there's two outs and we know everybody's going to be running. You know, I think that's fun stuff. It doesn't mean I sit there and I'm like, oh, we need to turn the clock back to what we used to like now. But I do think that improvements can be made. It's interesting. You 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 talked about the the young players in the game, and I'm with you. I think this is. I mean, I've covered baseball since 1989, and this this group is uh, 
number of transcendent young players is remarkable. But we're also seeing we're also seeing the older manager kind of come back to the fore. Not just Dusty, but uh, you know Tony La Russa is still kicking around. Bruce Bochy may end up managing again. I, I would think there's a chance that that happens. Now I know the Cardinals today named. I'm asking you this question about an hour after the Cardinals just named uh, the youngest manager in baseball, picked a 35-year-old guy to be uh, to manage their team. But do you think that maybe, uh, Chris, that maybe something's happening here where because the game is, is skewing so young, you know, and, and at a time where we've got front offices that are kind of young, Ivy League educated, et cetera, et cetera, that maybe the, old, the older manager's finding his way back into the game. Maybe people are looking at this and going, as long as the guy can communicate, Maybe there's something to be said for having that experience there. Or do you think this is just kind of almost accidental where we are right now? I don't know. I think I try to take it on a case-by-case basis. Like, I don't think anybody sits down and is like, all right, guys, let's get the best manager over 64 years old. Or let's find somebody between 41 and 48. Like, I don't think that that's how it goes. I think think you sit down and you try and find the best person for your organization – uh, I think if you're not thinking that direction, then you're a moron. Um, I do think that, unfortunately, a lot of these front offices, because they seem to come from the same trees, are thinking too much alike. And in the way they're putting roster construction together, uh, in the way that, that we're seeing pitchers and pitching manipulated, uh, I do think that there's also they want to have a certain power and control over the games, right? A lot of these lineups, a lot of these if-then scenarios are pre-game constructed, and so it almost feels like a lot of the managerial gut check has been lost from the game. And I don't know if maybe the some of the older crew is so desperate to get back into the game and they want to get back in the dugout that they'll relinquish whatever powers they had previously. Like, I think Bochy's going to be the, the true litmus test. You know, part of the reason that he's no longer in San Francisco, I think, was, you know, not that he didn't embrace analytics. I just think that he had a certain way of going about things. And who can argue with his success over a 25-year run between San Diego and San Francisco? So now, if he does come back for another job, how much is he going to relinquish what made Bruce Bochy, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer? I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I think most people, because of experience and because of that lineup, would pick the Astros. If that's true, what do you think the Braves have to do to beat the Astros in this seven-game series? Well, I think that if their bullpen continues to pitch the way that it has, and and really it it came down to three left-handers, right? Mincer, Matzik, and Smith were all just spectacular through the first two rounds. Luke Jackson, who has been really good, the right-hander for them uh, throughout the regular season, kind of lost it. And that's going to be a real problem, right? If you bring him in to face that that right-handed pop of, let's say, Bregman, Correa, Guriel, uh, Altuve at the top of the lineup, how comfortable are you going to feel? And if not, are you going to be okay with those lefties who have been pitching great going against that right-handed pop? Of Houston, so to me, that's kind of the interesting part of this this cat and mouse game moving forward. Um, and then when we get to Atlanta, does Jordan Alvarez start all three games in the outfield? Mm. Yeah, you know, he's 
He's, he's a young DH for a reason. And, uh, you know, every 90 feet is important. And a misplay could be the difference between winning and losing a game out there. Uh, not that Michael Brantley is a gold glover anymore and he doesn't run. He's got bad knees, all that sort of stuff. But you just don't feel like he's ever going to make that critical mistake that could cost you a game. So those are just a couple of fun things I'm looking forward to. Chris, if the Astros win this and Dusty Baker wins it, everybody loves Dusty, the Zen of Dusty, the Tao of Dusty, et cetera, et cetera. Are, are there going to be people who will reexamine what they think of the Houston Astros, of this group of players, you know, looking back to the, the cheating scandal? Will this in any way remove some of the stain from that, or is that done and dusted? No, I think that that is a true individual decision. I mean, on the Chris Rose Rotation podcast that I have on, on John Boy Media, you know, I've talked to dozens of players this year about it. You know, not only the six guys that were my co-hosts during the rotation, but even recently I had Chris Bassett of the Oakland A's, and this mm-hmm. is the guy that pitches against the Astros. You know, they, they play them 19 times a year. And I said, have you gone into Houston thinking, well, there's something fishy going on here? And he's like, no. He said, not only that, he said, I wish we would all move on. He's like, Major League Baseball is the one that screwed this up. And, yes, the Astros were cheating, but we knew they were cheating in 2017 we were, when we were in there. Right. He's like, we knew it, and we knew that other teams were doing it as well. So it's, you know, but at the same time, I had Austin Hedges, who catches for Cleveland. And I said, have you personally moved on from this, or do you root against the Astros? He said, well, i got to be honest with you. They're so good that they didn't need to do this, but when they come up to the plate, the guys that participated in that, I'll always label them a cheater. So it's, it's a case-by-case basis with the players, and I think it's the same way with the fans. And I personally don't, still don't know how I feel about it. You know, we're basically five seasons removed from that cheating scandal, and I still, you know, I watch Altuve. I was a huge Altuve guy, mm-hmm. huge. I loved him. One of my favorite players, and I wrestle with that, like, I don't know if I've moved on from it or I don't know. I'm still confused. I'm very confused, guys, about it. I'm very confused. Now, it, it's interesting hearing you say that because, I mean, I'm the same way. I loved watching that team play. I loved Alex Bregman, Altuve. Of course, George Springer's over here now. And, right. you know, George Springer seems to be a really good dude. I mean, everybody around the team you talk to talks about just what a great guy he is, how good he is with the fans, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, I still – there are times where I look at it and I go, eh, I don't really care. There are other times where it does kind of bother me. And I think maybe – I think you're right. It is an individual thing. There are hardcore baseball fans, particularly of a certain age, will probably never, ever, ever forgive the Astros. I think other people – I think it will be a little bit like steroids in a way. The longer it goes on, people change their their thinking a little bit. And uh, – Maybe soften, maybe the edges get softened a little bit. I guess that's that's probably what I would the way I would see it. Yeah, and that's um, that's what I'm saying is that people who are up in arms are like, well, why don't why have you moved on? Well, because as humans, we have the decision of what how we want to feel, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't get mad at people for still harboring a grudge against them. I don't sit there and say, oh, well, it's time for you to move on because maybe it's not. Maybe you see something. Maybe you were a Dodger fan. Maybe you were a Yankee fan. Maybe you just don't like the idea of people cheating. And, oh, by the way, good people make bad decisions. Yep. Like, does, does, and there's proof that a guy like Jose Altuve 
didn't really use the system to his advantage. Now, did he stop his teammates from doing it? No. Should he have? Probably. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I guess the big picture here is I still don't know how I feel. And if in a week the Astros are celebrating another World Series championship, I still don't know how I'll feel. Chris, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure, guys. Be well. Take care. Take care. That's Chris Rose. He's host of the Chris Rose Rotation on John Boy Media. You can follow him at Chris Rose. Should I ask him about my Broncos? He does the NFL every Sunday, whatever that's called. He's on. But the NFL? He does something. You who? What? You don't watch that, do you? I do. Uh, anyway, I, 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 I root for Dusty. I don't root for the player anymore. For for I, I may I may be on that that fence of I'm not real sure how I feel about the Astros now. They cheated. We all know they cheated. They'll always be known as cheaters. It's like George Springer. George Springer is a great player, but he's lumped in with the cheaters in 2017. Any way you want to say it, that's that's just the reality See, of the whole thing. And that's why for me, the Astros. I root for Dusty. I don't root for the Astros. Yeah, listen. I mean, I you know I have. Uh, Tim Leeper, uh, former Blue Jays coach, now with the Giants. He's got some very a, – a lot of people who are coaches have really re, – and other teams have really, really strong feelings about that, uh, about what the Astros did. Yeah, I, Again, I, I, I know you can't draw and necessarily draw a comparison between the, the steroid era and that, and I know how you feel uh, about players who use steroids. You're very upfront. They're, they're – Flat out cheaters. Yep. Um, I feel a little differently. I I guess it's I don't ever I don't ever look at sports as being anything other than an endeavor designed to have a winner, a loser, and to make everybody money. So I I, I don't look for any moral message and yeah. whoever wins or whoever loses or how it's done. And that was the same thing with, with for, steroids. I, it, for it me, was not very hard for me to say, you know what? I probably would have done the same damn for thing. Me, for me, the, the steroid thing was very individual. The, the thing that the Astros did in 2017 and who knows how long after that, that, that was a little bit of a team thing. There you go. That's, they, they got together and said, let's go bang it. That's organized. Like, that's, you are that's correct. very organized that's, and steroids was not that, because I didn't do it. And I and I I was I came up through it, I didn't do it. So it's very it's a very individual thing. No, that's fair. So that that's why I think it's if you're a player and you went through both both parts of that, you have very very different thoughts about either you know both of them. No, that's a good way to I, that that's a great way to think about it. I mean, this was organized cheating. The Absolutely. other the other thing was you you know you uh, you, were, you were left to your own there your you own go. devices. Anyhow, it'll be a topic of discussion. I am sure the World Series begins tomorrow. The Houston Astros playing host of the Atlanta Braves. We'll tell you our picks tomorrow. We'll open the phone lines tomorrow as well and get your take on who you want to win, who you think will win. And we can just have like even a general Blue Jays talk as well. We can have all sorts of things tomorrow. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.